Thank you for this opportunity to, to minister the word of God in our building with my family, live, not on Zoom. I am very much encouraged and very excited to share what God has given to me, um, not just for you, but for me too. So I'd like to take this opportunity to, to just kind of outline, you know, what we have been uh, tasked with this year to in- encourage one another in understanding how the Word and the Spirit work together and to look at a particular passage of Scripture, Psalms 119, verse 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I'm going to recap from uh, my message back in January, but I can honestly say that in the last three and a half months, that as we've looked at this passage of Scripture through the different uh, eyes of the different ministers, how blessed we have been with the word, the meat and the food and the illumination and revelation that we have received from that one scripture alone. So from my previous uh, message, I just wanted to, to touch on three key points. Psalm 119 verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a lamp and a light unto my path. That the lamp unto my feet is about... Because it's about your feet and it's personal and it's your feet and nobody else's, that God cares about you and he cares about your now, where your feet are. It's important about the proximity of the light from the lamp because it's up close and personal. The lamp is in your hand and it's directed at your feet. That the light that that scripture talks about is about the light that lights our path, it's about our future. So God cares about our, he's preparing you now for tomorrow. And that the purpose of the lamp and the light are different. That the lamp is for you and the light is for others. You are allowed to have your you time with God and he wants his you time with you because he's doing a work in you to glorify him. So from, um, from a previous message, uh, Pastor Kelly reiterated to us that our first priority is to be with him. And I wondered as I thought about that scripture, you know, why is the lamp unto my feet? Why is it not unto my eyes? When you go into your house and put the light on, it's so you can see where you're going. But God aims the lamp at your feet so you can focus on what you have to do because he's taking you somewhere. And he says that if you love me, feed my sheep. There are things that he requires us to do. And as we allow God to uh, use his lamp and use his light in our life, there are three key things that come about. Firstly, the truth. As we have God's lamp, he will show us truths about ourselves and about him, but he'll reveal internal and external truths. Psalms 51 and verse 6 says, 
but you want me to be good and you want me to teach you how to live in a proper way. Make me clean with hyssop and I will really, I, I shall be really clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And that's what he wants to show you. We'll have truth, we'll have trust and we will have transformation as we respond to the lamp and the light of God. Truth, trust and transformation. The trust, Psalms 91 verse 4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Transformation. There's a passage of scripture in Acts 12 and verse 7 that I will, I will touch on at the end of my message to show you how God's light can bring transformation to your life. I want to look at now Psalm 23. And I'm going to read this well-known passage of scripture that God has just shown me marvellous things in. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As I read and reread and meditated on this well-known passage, God showed me a number of things. Firstly, perhaps I could be so bold as to say, if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. It's not automatic. He needs to be your shepherd. And we have a role in allowing him to be our shepherd. If he's your shepherd, he will make you to lie down in green pastures, green pastures, luscious uh, a source providing, comforting, good for the soul, good for the eyes. This is what he gives you if he's your shepherd. He will then lead you beside the still waters. So he provides for you, he leads you. And in doing so, he restores your soul. Sometimes we don't even know that our soul needs to be restored. And then he'll continue to lead you in the path of righteousness. It's amazing what he will do if we allow him to be our shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I looked at that passage and I thought, hmm, it's interesting. You were with me, you made me lie down, you led me, you restored my soul, and then suddenly it seems as if I'm on my own. In this valley of the shadow of death, the passage says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. There's almost a sense of God not being with me. Perhaps he's gone to get his phone out of the car. Perhaps he's gone to the toilet. But yet, God has prepared you to be able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. 
Although we have his rod and his staff to comfort us, the scripture doesn't say that we have him by our side to comfort us. We have his rod and his staff. His rod is a stick which we can use for punishing, uh, warding off, um, uh, you know, uh, anything that may be um, uh, attacking us. It can be used for writing, fighting, ruling, and walking. We have his stick. We have the rod, which is his stick. We also have his staff, which is our support. I would like to change those two um, items, and I would like to say that, Yo, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy word and thy spirit, they comfort me. And this is what we're learning about. We're learning about how God can function and operate in our life and through us, even when we have no access to a Bible, even when we're on our own, even when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, because we have the word and the spirit, and they comfort me, and they will comfort you. Then the passage goes on to say, that thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. I used to think that when God prepared this table before me in the presence of my enemies, I used to think that my enemies were on the other side of the table. That's just what I thought. Because that's logical, isn't it? That I'm here, God has prepared what I need for my life, for my future, in the presence of my enemies. But do you know that your enemies may be closer than you think? Your enemies could be in your house, in your family, in your class, in your church, and maybe for married couples, in your bed. And that's simply because your enemy has to be somebody that's near you. They, they cannot be a complete stranger because a complete stranger has nothing against you. It will be somebody that may be close to you. But the word says that even though you prepare that table in the presence of my enemies, that then you go on to anoint me. As I've read Psalm 23, I could see how progressive the scripture was. God showed me it's almost our discipleship model. I will show you then we'll do it together, then you'll do it on your own. This is what he showed me in his word. And this is what he wants us to do and to replicate in our lives. After we've gone through the valley, after we've been in the presence of our enemies, then he anoints your head with oil. He doesn't do it at the beginning. It is a progression. It, is, it has to be a relationship and it has to be interactive. And it requires your obedience and your commitment. Then your head is anointed with oil. And then your cup can run over. And as your cup runs over, that is for others. Amen. And the passage goes on to say that, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a, a, a scripture of promotion and maturity. We're no longer talking about God leading me, God asking me to, uh, uh, you know, to, to lie down. But you are established at that point. And I thought, Lord, wow, that is an amazing insight 
of progression because of our relationship with you. In Hebrews 4 and verse 2, the word says, For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So it's quite clear that we can hear God's word, but we may not benefit from it. Because that's what the word says. But why does that happen? I began to look at Matthew 13. And I'm going to look at two um, maybe aspects of why that may happen. In Matthew 13, it talks about four different types of soil that the word of God is sown into. It talks about the wayside, that the word of God, the seed is sown, sorry, the seed is sown and it falls on the wayside. It falls on the stony ground. It falls on the thorny ground and it falls on the good ground. In Matthew 13, the word of God goes on to say, For whosoever to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever have not, from him shall be taken away even that which he has. We sometimes make the mistake of looking at God's love and kindness as his main attribute. But there's also an example of God's, one of God's main principles. To him that has, more will be given. And whosoever has not, even what you think you don't have, will be taken away. If you don't understand the value of what God is giving you, as you hear God's word, not only will he stop giving it to you, but he will take what you have. And the danger is sometimes that we don't even notice that it's gone, just as Saul experienced when he lost his reign as a king. So we need to value God's word. We need to incline our ears. The Bible says in Matthew 13, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. It's not an automatic thing that you're hearing. You have to incline your ear to God's word. Secondly, we can hear a passage of scripture, for example, Psalms 23. And at that point, we could switch off thinking that we already know what that passage says. And this is aimed at those of us that have been saved for a long time. And we've heard, we've heard messages on familiar passages time and time and time again. And we become familiar with God's word, thinking that we know it. But we don't. God's word is alive. It speaks new things every time we incline our air, we open our eyes to receive. God is always talking to us. And he, he loves to share his word with you. But perhaps we think we know uh, we have the audacity of thinking that we don't need to, to tune in. Perhaps it's because we, we see in our lives a combination of the four different types of ground in our life. The good, the stony, the thorny, and the wayside. It's quite easy to think, as I used to often think, that I'm aspiring to, to be the good ground. 
But in reality, I believe that we are a combination of all four. We have our cares that choke the word. We have the excitement of receiving God's word, but it is not grounded and embedded in our life because we have stony areas. And sometimes we hear the word, we may think we know what the passage means, and it ends up on the wayside. But I would encourage you to allow God's word into your life to cultivate more of the good ground in your life and to minimize the thorny, the stony, and the wayside. Let us allow God to, to come into our life and make our, our inner man fer fertile and let us you know, use some of the fallow ground to reflect and wait on the Lord. That is the good news. The lamp is for us to make the right steps. And they are small steps in the right direction. We don't, we don't take big steps when we walk. That's something you might have seen on Monty Python. But it is small steps. The truth, the trust that brings forth transformation. Praise the Lord. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There was one aspect of, of the lamp that I wanted to share that God showed me, and I wanted to share that. Let me just find, let me just find it here. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. As we pause and take in the message of God, I want to move on now to how the Word of God can transform us. In Acts 12 and verse... Sorry, I'm going to read a passage of it. Acts 12 and verse 4. And when he had apprehended him... This is talking about Peter. And Herod uh, was puffing up his chest, uh, going on behaving bad. And he sent his soldiers out to get Peter because it pleased the crowds when he had killed uh, James. Um, and he had apprehended him and he put him in prison and delivered him into four quaternions of soldiers. That's a squad of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And in verse 7 it says, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And he didn't know whether it was true, what was happening to him with the angel. And he thought it was a vision. 
What I'd like to show you from that passage of scripture, and this is what we're focusing, we're focusing on the transformation of God's word and God's light, or God's light. That God's light shined in the prison and God's light can shine in your prison. You, you don't have to feel that you are in a hopeless situation because the word of God shows us what God can do, what he did do, and God is not a respecter of persons, that the light shined in the prison. When Peter was awoken, he didn't wake up in the dark. So God doesn't wake us up in the dark so we can stumble and grapple and wonder where we are. But he'll wake us up in the light, in the brightness of his presence and in his, of his being. Peter was woken up. Peter had two guards in his prison, in his prison cell with him. Don't ever think that God can't deliver you and free you from your situation. Amen? The angel came, the light shone, the angel woke up Peter. He was woken up because many of us are often asleep. We're in this state of resting, we are not active, where our mind is unconscious. Sometimes we're tired, sometimes we don't know better, sometimes we're weary, sometimes we're protecting ourselves. But God will wake you up and he wants to wake you up because of what he's got in store for you and how he's going to use your life. That when that light it shines in your life, it's not so you can just sleep with the light on, but it's for, it's for him to activate you. The scripture says that the angel said to him, arise quickly. There are occasions when we must make haste. God has prepared us for what he's preparing us for. We don't have time to wonder. We don't have time to, to, to meditate and wonder, is this God? Sometimes we know and we, we reflect and we talk ourselves out of what he wants to do in our life. The angel says, arise quickly. And then because he arose quickly, because he was obedient, the chains fell off his hands. There's a response. There's a reaction. There's blessing from doing what God unctions you to do, what he prepares you to do. And in this passage of scripture, we see that Peter was aided. He wasn't on his own. The angel came. It's amazing to, as I read that, that passage, that, that there was a squad of soldiers that caught him. There were uh, prison guards chained with him in his cell. There were guards outside his cell. And yet God sent an angel, not even an archangel, just that angel. Amen? And we have ministering angels. That's what the Bible says. God didn't have to send the heavies. He just sent an angel. And that angel brought the light, brought the instruction, and showed the way for Peter to go. For Peter to get his breakthrough, to get his deliverance. And that's what God's light will do in your life. It will bring you freedom. The Bible says, for obedience is better than sacrifice. 
These are the benefits of the word and the spirit coming together. It is a call to action. The light shined in the prison, and yet only Peter saw it. The other two soldiers, uh, prison guards, were still asleep. God will show you things that only you will see. And it's for you to respond to. This is not about what people will think. Can I, can I ask a friend? Can I, can I do 50-50? No, it's about you responding to that light that only you will see. It's a personal relationship. That's what we have with the Lord. As the lamp you know, is, is shone on our feet, God will show you truths about yourself that only he could show you. Things that you've never disclosed to other people and some things that you don't even know yourself. That, that truth will set you free. That truth will, will instantly bring trust. And that trust brings transformation. As I come to the end of my message, and my message is a message to me too. I was so blessed to have God download this and, and show me things in his word in, in familiar passages that I'd never seen before. As I'm talking about the good ground and, and thinking that we can switch off when we look at familiar passages, I was talking to myself too. I've been a Christian now for 34 years, but God just showed me while he was showing me. It was just so amazing. I want to pray a word of de declaration over you all as you hear me. And I thank you that you will choose to allow God to be your shepherd. It starts with you. He cannot make you do that. I pray that you will choose God, that you will trust him. I pray that you will allow his light to shine upon your feet, that you will receive his truths about you for what he's preparing you to do, that that will build trust in your life. And as you act on God's word, you will see the transformation. As the light comes on, that he will deliver you from whatever prison you are in. There is nothing that God cannot do. He will send you his ministering angels, that the chains will fall off of your strongholds, whatever they may be. There is nothing that God can do as the word and the spirit come together. And I thank you, Lord, for our progressive relationship with you. I thank you, Lord, that we move from infancy to maturity. I thank you, Lord, that we move from complete dependence to operating in your word. I thank you, Lord, that we are your disciples, that we continue to replicate what you've done in our life, Father, that we are able to be out there where you want us to be, allowing your light to shine in our life, Father, for those that are looking for you. I thank you, Lord, for our liberty, for our freedom, and for the power of your word and your spirit as we see the light. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. 
Have a blessed week and God bless.